Welcome, folks, to another episode of That Anita Live, the talk show dedicated to providing emotional healing to help you create a happier life. What are you doing to stop the stigma on mental illness? Mm. Well, in studio is a stigma-crushing mental health speaker, writer, connector, and educator. He's been featured in Essence Magazine and is dedicated to inspiring people to be more hopeful so they can live the better story they want to live. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this one, y'all, because <laughs> Sinclair is off the chain. <laughs> Let me just go ahead and put that out there from ground zero. I cannot promise you that this episode is going to be anything other than madness. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, mental health mouthpiece. Yes. How you doing? I'll take that name any day. Because <laughs> you, social media, any platform. Yeah. If I type your name in, you are making a lot of noise to bring awareness to the mm. mental health stigma. The best thing I the best thing I, I realized recently was that if you Google stigma crushing mental health speaker, okay. I'm the number one result on Google. Go ahead with your bad self. Cause it's hard to get to the top of Google. Yeah, I don't even know how it I don't know how it happened. I just Oh, I know how it happened. You know how it happened? <laughs> no. You got some ideas? Oh yeah. Oh I know how it You know how it happened. Oh, I know how Y'all get ready to find out how it happened. <laughs> so take me what made mental health so important to you? Yeah, uh, you know, it wasn't a term that we used growing up. We just called it crazy. True. So I grew up in a, in a black household in, um, in Elwood, New Jersey, so southeast New Jersey, mm -hmm. uh, not too far from Atlantic City, and a uh, Christian household, so I was in church every Sunday. I played the drums badly at first, and uh, we were in long people church, like church all day. And uh, whenever anyone had any problems, the response was, just go to Jesus, just pray it away. Just go pray. Okay. There is some truth to that. But there's also people on earth <laughs> to help us navigate things. Tools. 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 Mm -hmm. Resources. <laughs> so it wasn't until uh, I was about to go to college that I went to a pediatrician. Get this, a pediatrician. I'm like senior in high school. He's like, I think you have generalized anxiety disorder. I was like, uh, uh, who? <laughs> right. This was the time right. when people weren't using the word anxiety right. a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I'm not that old, but like. I mean, we just started talking about this. Mm -hmm. And so I got on those meds, and uh, I felt good for the first time. Like the buzzing stopped. And then okay. fast forward, I started going to therapy while I was in college, and language around mental health started to be something that I, I use a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until more recently that I um, just started talking about mental health more and realizing, I like to say mental wellness to, to open up the conversation, mm -hmm. because people hear mental health and they think crazy Kanye West, mental institution, something really bad. At the same time, happiness, joy, you know, uh, just excitement. Those okay. things are on the continuum as well. So mental wellness is every single day. It's all of us. And sometimes we end up in a place where, a place where we often don't talk about. And so I'm the person that's like, look, I'm going to talk about it because if we don't talk about it, then people will feel alone and feel like they're going through something alone, like I did when I was growing up, where I felt like I was the only person going through this. Something's clearly wrong, and praying away is not the solution. For so, me. are you ever allowed to talk about it, even within the household? Nope. I mean, I could talk about it, but I get that look, like, mm. <laughs> and that look means, <laughs> and that look means it means we've already discussed this. You know, there are no problems, and we're not going to I'm not going to talk about it or address it in or any address other it way. in any way. And you're also not going to talk about where these mental health issues stem from, 
because mm -hmm. you don't let the, the world know what's happening with your family. What happens in this house stays, stays in, in this house. house. Actually yeah. stays underneath the house. It's buried because <laughs> everybody has some issues, you know, that we're not going to talk about either. So you're not even going to know where the stuff is coming from. So did you ever identify what caused the journalized anxiety for you? Oh, yeah, my father. Yeah, okay. and I can say that now. I feel like I'm having my 50 cent moment after he got shot nine, <laughs> nine to 12 <laughs> times. It was like, I can say what I want to say now. Um, mm -hmm. I finally come to terms with uh, that owning my story. And so as a result of my father's PTSD from being in the military and things that he's gone through in his life, okay. he transferred that on over to me in the form of many different types of abuse growing up. Um, and so I, I pretty much spent most of my life holding my breath. Wow. And when you breathe from your chest, so if you breathe in your chest, there's this thing in yoga, they talk about how it's like activation energy, like you're like, it's time to go. Mm -hmm. And if you breathe in your stomach, it relaxes you. And someone told me to breathe in my stomach once, and I was like, who, what's that mean? And I realized I was holding my breath. What's I, the I, difference? I didn't first breathe until um, I went to Oregon after I graduated from college. So you grew up in New Jersey, went to college and? St. Peter's University, so Jersey City. Okay. So like right next to New York City. So you went from the city to Oregon. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> what brought you to, to make that decision? I had to get away. I said I want to go on an adventure. I want to do something different with my life. That's always been me. It's just, I've just been the different person in my family. I'm the black sheep of the, black sheep, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know another way of saying it. But you know, my grandpa was like, you're gonna be a speck of pepper in a bowl of milk out there. And I was like, what do you mean? Um, Oregon at the time <laughs> was 1.7% African-American. <laughs> so I was going somewhere that was a new frontier for not only my family, but for people in general, and then also for black people. And I was going somewhere that I didn't know anything about. I went to volunteer for the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, okay. which I say is like the Peace Corps with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I did a year of service working with individuals experiencing homelessness. I was in a daycare center. But outside of that work, I was out there just in the way. I had no phone, no social media. I shut everything down. And I was finally able to be in touch with my breath and like be aware. And it was probably one of the happiest moments of my life at that point. So there's no regrets. You'd do it again. Oh, yes. Yeah, I think everyone, I, th I, I think everyone gets to have a space that is safe. Um, before that, my safe space was actually, funny enough, in my father's arms when I was about 14. The pastor called us up in the front of the church and said, so my dad's name was Sinclair, I said, Sinclair, hug your son and embrace him like you never did before. And I sobbed for about 10 minutes in his mm -hmm. arms. I felt, I felt safe with the person who I didn't mm -hmm. feel safe with. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel that way until I went out to Oregon. And in Oregon, it helps you get in touch with my breath, with love, with truth, with I, the buzzing stopped. A lot of us have this buzzing mm -hmm. that we that we numb with food, with alcohol, sex, drugs, all types of things, um, and everything you know, moderation. But a lot of us, you know, busyness is a big one now. Okay. Like, oh, I'm busy. <laughs> it's like, are you? You can't take a break. Mm -hmm. We don't want to sit with us. That's why we hate traffic. Oh. Right. Next time you're in traffic, think about that. Like, why do you hate traffic so much? Because you have to sit with yourself. So. That's what, that's what it was. I had to sit with myself, and I sat with it enough to notice. And I, I read this book called, um, it, was, it was called Awareness. It's mm -hmm. by Anthony DeMello, who was a Jesuit, uh, Jesuit priest, passed away. And he talked about how things are either coming from a place of love or fear. So he boiled it down real simple for someone like me who overcomplicates everything. And I was like, okay, is this love or is this fear? And I realized that 90% of my day was fear. So that was really an epiphany. Huge. I'd say season. Yes. For you, yes. being out there. Yes. Three whole years. Three years? Yeah. I ended up staying out there for a little bit. And when did you come back? 
Uh, I came back uh, 2012 to go to grad school mm. at Rosemont College, which is right next to Villanova. What made you want to go to grad school? <laughs> Sounds so judgmental, but uh, I realized I was becoming a hipster, like a person who could just have two or three part-time jobs, live with five people in the house and not really go nowhere, mm. and it was real comfortable. Mm. And I was like, I want to level up, because that's always been me, <laughs> right? Like, my muse has always been Oprah, right? Okay. So okay. I was like, I can't get to Oprah if I don't have a master's degree in this economy. So I made, a, I made it one phone call, got into grad school, got grad school paid for, got housing for free, mm. just did a leadership degree. Now, that is the PTSD piece, but you're in, the, in the generalized anxiety. Yes. But you also, just out in black and white on your website, mm -hmm. also talk about your experience with depression. Yes. Where does that come from? So I understand depression to be hopelessness and helplessness, mm -hmm. which feels bad just saying it. I, I can feel it. Um, a lot of folks feel that way right now um, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. For a lot of valid reasons. That came from feeling like I was never, I, when I was growing up, I never thought I'd make it to 18. I was like, at 18, I'm going to die. That's how, that's how volatile I was in my house. My household was that dangerous. Okay. Yeah. And no I mean, I, I, I have, by the household? And I have no problem going into that. Oh, the neighborhood. The household. So we were in um, like a suburban type area. But when my father would come over, I would be either, you know, threatened to be killed, choked. I would be told I, would, I didn't mean anything, things could happen to me. Okay, so let's, let's break this down to make yeah. it relatable to one of the viewers. Yeah. Right? Let's say it's an average Saturday for you. Average Saturday. You get up and what's the first thing that you get involved in? I'll probably go watch Saturday morning cartoons. Okay, so for With you... too much sugar on my cereal. So, so for you, it probably was not um, Conjunction Junction. No. It was maybe Ninja Turtles? Yeah, how do you know? Okay, and then, <laughs> and then, and then, or Power Rangers. All right, okay, and then um, as you are eating your Frosted Flakes, mm -hmm. Fruity Pebbles, whatever it was, what would be something that would either catch your ear or your attention? I would hear car go down the road. Because mm -hmm. I live with my grandparents, they raised me. So if I hear a car go down the road and it hits that gravel, that's when the, the fear response starts kicking in like a lion chasing you. And that fear is connected to my father. So the road hit the gravel, the car hit the gravel. Yep. Which means that it was getting closer and closer to the house. It was mm -hmm. meant to. I literally feel it right now. As you're talking about it. <laughs> I'm going back to that. Spot. Because because if it if the car didn't hit the gravel and kept going, then I'm you good. knew that it right. It I'm wasn't fine. coming to the house. Oh yeah. Once it hit that gravel, you knew that it was in the driveway. Mm -hmm. He gets out of the car and says. Oh well, let's be clear. Once that car hits that gravel, I bolt up to my room. Okay. And close the door based on previous experience. Mm -hmm. And they could have been getting yelled at for, so what he would say, he got that car, you know, it'd be like something was wrong with the house, I didn't do my chores well, like any, nothing was ever good, nothing was ever right. Did your grandparents ever step in? <laughs> Once. And how'd that make you feel? Like my dad was about to die. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what did grandfather, mm -hmm. what did he say? He said, you're gonna make him, he's gonna have, he's gonna have a tick when he gets older. He's gonna have he's gonna have a tick when he gets older. He's gonna have issues. So it was, your, it was your father's parents mm -hmm. that raised you. Mm -hmm. And it was the volatileness was just from your father? Were there other things that happened in the house that made it unstable? I think everyone just yelled all the time. No one ever had. So I, I, I say I'm an adult child of alcoholics mm -hmm. who never went to AA. So they all just kind of went cold turkey and stopped drinking because of health issues, okay. but never did the rehabilitative part. So the way they handle the conflicts is just, you're wrong, you're wrong, let's yell, let's scream, get in each other's faces, and then forget it ever happened. Very strong personalities. Oh, yes. Yeah. Who was your mom? 
So my so my parents split when I was when I was three. Mm -hmm. So my mom lived down in Florida, and so my mom is completely conflict avoided. <laughs> Did you ever go to visit her, like say for a the lot, summer? A lot. Or? Yeah, I grew up in Florida, in Tampa, Florida, until I was in second grade. So I've literally been everywhere. I was born in Spain, lived in upstate New York, Tampa for two years, or a couple of years till second till second grade, Jersey for most of my life. So I learned to be a chameleon, learned to just blend. Um, but my mom was great. She's uh, like the sensitive soul, so I kind of take after her with that. My dad's the, the angry one. And how is your relationship with your mom now? I started this, so I started this process of reconciliation when I was in Oregon. I, I went hard. I was like, I, I want my life. And so uh, this pastor was like, hey, you know, try to do reconciliation with your parents. Like, What's that mean? He said, reconciliation is bringing back together. Mm -hmm. And so um, I called my mom, I called my, I called my dad, and I wrote, called my mom, and I wrote my father because he was in prison at the time trying to build. And my mom, and my dad both respectively said that they're not responsible for my pain, that they did nothing wrong, that they did the best they could. They couldn't own, own up to it. I sobbed again, a lot of crying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the best thing that happened for me was to see them as who they are. Now, before, you, before we move on. Let's go. How did that moment make you feel? Alone. Did you feel dismissed? Yes. Did you feel isolated? Yes. Now, for somebody that is experiencing those feelings within their own family, mm. how did you get to the next step, which was what you were getting ready to talk about? Yeah. I, I think a lot of this, when, when I think about healing for me, because mm -hmm. I can only speak about me, mm -hmm. I hear a lot of people talk about this too, but for me, it was like sitting in a, a hard chair. You know, one of them uncomfortable chairs, like maybe a church pew yes. or at a yes. staff meeting, kind of like, you get up, maybe you move your shift to get some water. <laughs> and so a therapist told me this. I was sitting in a hard chair, and I didn't move, and I sat with it. And it gets to the point where it's extremely uncomfortable, and you realize that there's only a certain point that it goes to, and then it comes down. Mm -hmm. But a lot of us don't get to that point. We stop before it gets to that point. So I sat with it. I didn't numb it. I didn't even talk about it. I just sat with it. And then I would go to therapy and do those other things, but I just I had to sit through it. And I did it knowing that a little voice is telling me that, it's going to be okay. It's going to get better. But that voice was really small. What are some of those other things that you did? Therapy. Talking about it in a space where I knew that no one was going to know. So a therapist says the best thing ever. They say, as long as you're not a harm to yourself or anyone else, it stays between us. And I said, you're probably lying. So I typically would, <laughs> for all my therapists, I would just tell them a little bit for the first like week or two. Mm -hmm. And then I learned my lesson. They were like, all right, well, I know you're not really telling me what's really right? going on. <laughs> So they were like, hey, you're wasting your time. You're trying to trick me. I'm getting paid. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so being able to tell somebody my deepest, darkest secrets made me feel like I could go on another day. And did you, uh, I guess, release your parents from asking them to take responsibility? Yes. How so? I just stopped asking them. Yeah, the day, the day I, so I confronted my father, mm -hmm. Um, in person, I think it was like 2010. I, yeah, so I just do all kinds of stuff. So I flew out back to Jersey. I said, Dad, I need to talk to you on his back steps. <laughs> and I told him everything he did to me. And I told him that I was not okay with it. And I said, what do you have to say for yourself? What if I told you that you could stop the negative tape from playing inside your head? What if with seven simple steps, you could leave the pain of the past behind? 
and live every day as your true, authentic self. It is possible, and you can do it. The ebook, Seven Simple Steps to Beat Emotional Baggage, How to Become Whole, Healed, Healthy, and Happy, shares how to resolve emotional baggage. And feel free to live true to your own personality, spirit, and character. Transform negative thinking into positive thinking and become equipped to boldly face your past and resolve emotional pain. Get your free copy at thatanitalive.com slash ebook. He said the same thing my mom said. So he was out of prison at this time. So mm -hmm. the, same, the same exact thing. I think they were just working together on this. No. <laughs> no, it's an escape place for themselves. Amen. It's an escape place Amen. for themselves because well, you, you started to say at one point that you no longer look to them for healing, mm. for worthiness, for self-esteem. I, I see them as who they are, okay. not as who I so badly needed them to be mm -hmm. because they didn't, have, they, they, haven't, they didn't go through the process that I went through. So I, I often think that people are sometimes stuck at where they stop developing. And so if you start drinking at a certain age, you kind of stop at that point until yeah. you start to get sober. For me, it's been overeating. So that's one thing I don't have my website because I just kind of put a whole long list. But for me, overeating was my way to cope. Like I, I ate so I didn't have to feel the pain. Mm -hmm. I just kind of soak it in like that. Okay, so now with all of the healing and yes. the work that you put in. Yes. When I said you are the mouthpiece for mental, mental wellness, that is no exaggeration. Yes. Twitter, Facebook, I mean, everywhere. Sidewalk, grocery store, Wegmans. Everywhere. Everywhere. What are some of the things that you're doing in the community? <laughs> Essence, TEDx speaker. Yeah. Unfortunately, the TEDx talk didn't work out, so I got to take it off the website. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was featured in the Essence magazine. Um, I had a, I had a, so I, biggest thing I did recently in Baltimore, Maryland, it was a conference called Celebrate You which I'm so proud of. Okay. And it was a day to honor and acknowledge um, the importance of wellness in our lives. And so I intentionally centered brown and black women, um, especially those in the queer community who are often overlooked in those aspects, but who are doing a lot of work when it comes to actual healing, not just bath bombs and vacations. Those things are nice, indulgence is good, right? but actual healing, looking at that which is true for you mm -hmm. and saying, I see you, let's do something about it. Mm -hmm. And so we had about 50 people come and we did everything from dancing, nutrition, talking about mindfulness, awareness, everything. Beautiful day. It did so well that the venue now wants to charge me three times as much next year. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. So what are some of the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis to help you manage the depression, the anxiety, and the PTSD? There's this book called The Four Agreements that I recommend everyone just Google and just look at the tenets of it. And the thing that guides me, one of my guiding principles, philosophies, the thing that one of the things that is one of my values in life is integrity. Okay. So it's being impeccable with my word is what the book would say. So I surround myself with people who I can be completely honest with. And so that's number one. Mm -hmm. Being honest for me helps to tell people where I'm at, tell me where I'm at, and it helps to remove shame. Okay. So talking about it. Um, therapy, once a week. I also do acupuncture, mm -hmm. which is 6,000-year-old Chinese medicine, mm -hmm. and so that helps me to sit with that discomfort. Okay. I mean, they'll help you sit for a half hour. Like, you can't move. You got needles in you. I tried it. I was like, ah, kind of hurt. So, so how does the dancing help? 
Oh, it's a good release. It's a healthy release. Now, is this some? Is this an organized dance, and where it's? Yeah, um, it started with hip hop dance at this uh, place called the Movement Lab. I'm just putting everybody on the day, but the Movement Lab in Baltimore okay. uh, is great. Lola runs it, and uh, it's an organized. It's so great because what you do is you learn like a, a one minute routine mm -hmm. in an hour. So you learn every single step. So even if you're like, I can't dance, well, you can move. And so that was a really good place for me. Um, and then like, you know, I, I, like, I can dance in the kitchen and be happy. Is it the energy release that the dancing does? Does that help? Yes, because I, I truly let my body move in all types of ways. I'm not just like staying here with it, trying to look cute. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where I feel it, it goes, because the body holds trauma. Now, is everybody in the room dancing in the same way? No. And where they're fully letting go? So it depends on which dance, which dancing I go to. Um, typically, we're, these days I'm in rooms where we're kind of doing more structured dance, and then they have some free, some freedom in it. Okay. So it's like forming freedom. Okay. But out in Oregon, mm -hmm. I experienced something called ecstatic dance, and that was like amazing. So you go into this room, it'd be like some really nice venue, and no one would talk. Everyone's barefoot, and you just get your life, but you can't talk. And it was the best experience ever. So everyone was really getting it then. <laughs> and you're not even interacting with people sometimes. You just you're just flowing and no one's bumping into each other. And you thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. yeah well, it's, it's scary at first because it's so vulnerable. Dancing is like life. You know, so you make eye contact. You're like, oh, who's looking at but me? But there's certain things that you talk about and your face just lights up. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that was one of those things. Yes. Now, how do you plan to spend, say, the next two years bringing awareness mm. to mental wellness? Yeah. Yeah. And so, number one, I'm going to do something called the Truth Tour. So now everyone knows it's out there. Mm -hmm. And so going to different cities, mm -hmm. um, especially a lot of places in Baltimore, and we're gonna just sit, we're gonna hold space for stories. So we're gonna just tell stories and tell stories, whoever's on the stage, we're gonna tell stories and encourage the audience to find themselves in those stories. And then we're gonna teach the audience how to tell their own story and so they can go through a series of workshops to do that. That's where awareness starts, is with your own truth. Wherever you are with that, some folks are like, I don't wanna look that deeply, that's okay. What did you eat today? Did you like it? Are you okay with it? Like, that's, that's honest. But the thing is, we need a lot of people to go that deep mm -hmm. because they are creating dysfunctional environments everywhere else that they exist. That's true. Because they haven't dealt with their own pain. That's true. Work environment, mm -hmm. mall, library, mm. gym. Church. <laughs> everywhere because they haven't dealt with their own stuff. There's this quote, uh, I was watching, um, this Oprah special, because, you know, I just watch Oprah mm -hmm. all the time. And one of the guests said, be responsible for the energy you bring into a space. Yes. That woke me up, because we're often always saying, oh, this person over here, they're making my day bad. Well, what are you bringing in? What did you bring in that day? And it doesn't mean that it's your fault. Mm -hmm. It just means I'm taking onus for this. I'm saying that I brought this into this space. I'm frowning. I'm upset. That's it. Just notice that. Don't change it. Just notice it. Noticing is the first step. On the tour, mm. there is Canada. So this is not the tour. I mean, now I'm on the indulgence tour. So this is a this is a self care tour for me. Okay. And yeah. what are the cities that are on this tour? L.A., Chi Town, mm -hmm. and Chicago. For those that don't mm -hmm. know, I learned that from Kanye West music. Um, Orlando for a music festival. Um, looking at uh, New Orleans. That's next week. New York, um, and definitely thinking about either going to Thailand or Senegal. So it's two very different places. And how are you, how do you plan to do all of this traveling? Yeah, um, there's this thing called think, act, and then feel. 
-hmm. So that helps me with manage my anxiety. Okay. So I think about what I want to do, mm -hmm. I act on it, and then I go, oh my goodness, what did I just do? Mm -hmm. um, so that's how I've done it. So I found a flight for $67 one way to LA by thinking about it, Googling Baltimore to LA, and then I saw a little calendar and it said 67 bucks, and I said, double is a lot, and I said, oh, that's real, and then I booked it. <laughs> okay, so this is not the RV tour. You're not. You, oh, I'm bougie. Let's be clear. I'm taking that plane. <laughs> going to fly from one place oh, to flying. another. Yes, yes. I'm just trying to figure out yes. where the Portland ends and the and the B more begins. Okay. You know, because that's more a, about that. Say more about that. Because <laughs> there's there's a there's a, a mix there's a dichotomy there, and where you said at one time you noticed that you were becoming more of a hippie. Mm-hmm. And that's the freeness. Mm-hmm. And in, in the in the Jesuit with the Oregon mm -hmm. experience that you had. Yes. Be more as a city that is a lot more tight. Mm. Convenience. Yes. Comfort. Yes. How do you plan to manage all of that while you're out on this tour? So for me, what's important right now is grounding myself, so I can be me everywhere. Okay. And also finding myself. And so for me, most of my life, I've tried to be perfect. And so for me, perfect is, my definition of perfection is being everything for everyone all the time, no matter what it takes, no matter how you feel. That's exhausting. <laughs> so this indulgent tour is about doing the wrong thing as long as it's not a harm to someone else or others, and, or myself or others. And so that means a lot of dancing, maybe a drink here, maybe going to a play. Like, it's really not that, that deep, but for me, it's a big deal because I'm so used to the nine to five. So having recently quit my job, I'm like, mm -hmm. And here's the thing, my, my full-time work now is going to be life coaching. I can life coach from anywhere. You know, I'm speaking, so I'm getting speaking gigs. Mm -hmm. Just fly out and do it. Right, I, I've found a way to simplify. And I'm also grounded, and so, you know, I have a baby on the way in January. And so I'm coming back to Baltimore often for the doctor's visits. I believe that parenting starts in the womb, so this baby knows my voice because I've read Goodnight Moon more times than I can count. I actually <laughs> love that book okay. a lot. Okay. That's actually a good book for mindfulness, by the way. It helps you go to sleep. So if the baby gets in, she can't stand or he can't stand. Oh, yeah. This book. Yeah. We know why. Well, the baby likes to move around a lot. So we're going to do a lot of dancing. Been there, heard that. Yeah, no. It's going to be my fault. <laughs> I'm like, good night, Dad. We don't want to hear this book no more. <laughs> <laughs> what is... What is one piece of advice mm. that you would give to someone who is struggling with managing their baseline? Yeah. But they're too ashamed or inhibited about speaking about it or yes. digging deep to uncover yes. what caused them to have these feelings. I got a shame buster for that. Mm -hmm. So for me, what's important is knowing that it's okay to not feel okay. It's okay to not be okay. If you can't, if you can't wrap your mind around that, it's really hard to do anything else. So just go, you know what, it's okay to not be okay. So for me, I would offer this. Um, I like to make different definitions for myself. Some call them reframes. Okay. So I say that grace is a space that we give ourselves or others to be broken, unfinished, and complete. That's it. And if we have more of that, a little bit more of that, a little bit more space, a little more room to breathe, we can go, okay, I'm not feeling okay today. And that actually calms things down. It's when you start to say, no, I got to do more. No, I need to do more. No, I'm not enough. There's no space. Sinclair is covering all platforms when it comes to helping the community live their best life. To find out more about Sinclair, visit SinclairCaesar.com. Take this inspiration to make the commitment to start your journey to emotional healing today. Because sometimes we know some, you don't want to be fixed, you just want to be heard. Be sure to check out that's for where and when to see our next episode.